All right, Jerusalem, good morning, good morning. Let us begin, begin by thanking all of our sponsors for this morning's year to thank our Tamatora sponsor. Oh, sorry. To thank our Tamatora sponsor for the month of Shavak, Mr. Salma Wolf, for dedicating all the Sherman Joshua's this month with immense gratitude for the refuos from Hashem in the merit of a refuoshim for all of those in need and the schus of our brave soldiers in the return of our hostages. Our week of learning sponsors, Yehuda and Bracha Buchwalter, in memory of Usher Buchwalter, in memory of Tajiba Tari Bas Harav, Mayor Moshe, Said's mother. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Neshamas Lavin Aliyah, the family Zain Nechama. And of course, we dedicate Mesechus Baba Kamal, Ilui Nishmas, Master Sergeant Ilya Michal Harush, Hashem Yikom Domomi HaKadosh Baruch Hu, provide his Nesham with an Aliyah and his family with a Nechama. So with that, let us begin. Today's daf is Ayin Ches 78, and we are picking up in Merit Hashem. On Ayin Zayin Abbas 77b, and we are picking up uh, six lines up from the bottom. Kilai. So, we'll say, remember again, in yesterday's daf, we had, a, we had a lot going on in yesterday's daf, actually. Baruch a very exciting and packed daf. We're going to have a lot going on today in Merit Hashem as well, a lot going on today. So, one of the interesting things that was brought up was that if somebody stole an animal, that's Kilayim. Kilayim means a crossbred animal. One steals a crossbred animal, then goes ahead and slaughters it or sells it. The halacha is that one is chayiv dalid vehei. So the Gemara says, really? So kilayim, you're chayiv dalid vehei? So the Gemara says, sexiv. The Pasuk says, we're talking about the obligation of dalid, he says, seh, says a sheep. And generally, whenever we see seh, avamarabah, zebanav, komakom shnei marseh, ene alohos, yes, kilayim. Rava says that whenever we see the word seh, seh is always to exclude kilayim. Always to exclude Kilayim. Says in Shiny Hachab is different over here. Why? Damakra o Lerabos. I will say over here it says Shar o Se. So o ultimately again that word o comes to include Kilayim as well. I the Gemara says Vachol o Lerabos. So is that true? So that means every single time, every single time that ultimately you see the word o always comes to include. So the Gemara says, but what about the fact that Tanya we learn Shar o Kasev? Well, say the Pesach is actually talking about if you have an ox or you have a sheep or a goat, if it will be born. So for seven days it remains with its mother. And then from the eighth day and on, it could be offered up as a carbon. So the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, the whole old rabbis, Fatahinya Shar Okasev, Pratli Kilayim. Right? So ultimately, again, the O over here comes to exclude Kilayim, that you can't offer up a crossbred animal as a carbon. Sigmar says O A's when it says O A's O comes to exclude Prat Nidme. We'll say Nidme means an animal that's uh, born with some type of mutation. You can't go and offer it up as a carbon. Amarava, so as well say so the point over here is you see from here that in these Psukim O is coming to exclude something, not coming to include something. Yet over here, by Arapasak and Dalit and Hey, you're coming to use O to include. So what's going on? Amarava so this is interesting. Apparently the Gemara explains that the word O could sometimes be used to include and the word O could sometimes be used to exclude. Everything depends on the context of the Pasuk. Incredible. So the Gemara says, listen to this. So when it comes in our Pasuk of theft of Dalit Vehei, where the Pasuk says, Shar all the rabbis comes. Well, this is interesting. So, a shar and a seh, you can't create a crossbred animal from an ox and a sheep. They, 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 they cannot, they cannot, um, what's well, so reproduce together. So, I'll say, so because of that, the word o must be coming to include a crossbred animal. Gabe kachim, dechsev kesev ve'ez, but ultimately, again, by, by karbanos, where it says ultimately again a sheep and a goat, you can't cross bread, you can't cross breed between those two types of animals. So therefore, O Lemait, O must come to exclude a cross bread animal. O Lemaitu. Interestingly enough, just just in the in the world of in the, in the wild world of crossbreeding, what we begin to see is that by carbonos you cannot use a crossbred animal, but yet in the laws of theft, dalid vehei, there will be liability 
for a crossbred animal. In other words, if you steal and then slaughter a crossbred animal, there will be a chiv of dalit vehe. Incredible. Tab of Einchas. Ay, vaha gabe kachim nami nema shar o kasev. Shenat hayachalahotzi kilayme meneem. Venirbi. So we'll say, so now the Gemara says, well, one second. So now, if you're telling me every single time the Torah states two animals, and those two animals cannot reproduce together, and you find the word o, o must be coming to include, must be coming to include ultimately again a crossbred animal. In fact, if that's the case by Carbonos, right? The Torah says, Shar o kasev, an ox or a sheep, right? Remember, an ox and a sheep cannot reproduce together. It says o, so why don't we use that to mean that o teaches me that by Carbonos, you can offer up a crossbred animal. No, no, no. In that case, since the end of the Pasuk, there's another O. Excuse me. There's another O. Since the O at the end of the Pasuk comes to exclude a crossbred animal, certainly the O at the beginning of the Pasuk comes to exclude as well. Gabriel says, I don't stand. I can see just the opposite. Why don't they say, since the O in the beginning of the Pasuk comes to include a crossbred animal. Maybe the O at the end of the pasta comes to include as well, to which the Gemara says, no. Hi, Mai. So let's analyze this. So I'll say, if you understand that by Carbonos, the O is coming to exclude crossbred animals, then I understand why I would need two exclusions. Why? So I'll say, it's fascinating. Because one O is coming to exclude crossbred animal, kilayim. The other O is coming to exclude nidmeh. We'll say nidmeh means a mutated animal, <coughs> like we saw before. But if you say that the O in Kodshim is coming to include something, then why do I need two inclusionary words? So we'll say if it's coming to include, then hashta kilayim nidmeh We'll say, if you include that a crossbred animal could be offered up, then certainly what a mutated animal could be offered up. So say, it's an interesting idea, actually. The idea is that a crossbred animal, which is a different species, if that could be offered up as a carbon, then certainly a mutated animal. A mutated animal is the same species, just whatever. Something, you know, something, something occurred. So once you already told me that a crossbred animal could be offered up, it goes without saying that a mutated animal could be offered up as well. Hello. So I'll say, so therefore, again, it must be, it must be that by carbonos, that by carbonos, both of those O's come to exclude. Okay, one to exclude, ultimately, again, a crossbred animal, one to exclude, one to exclude a mutated animal. So therefore, I'll say, what we end up having over here is that by, that ultimately, again, by, 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 by carbonos, ultimately, we're excluding a mutated animal, or I should say, we're excluding a crossbred animal and a mutated animal, but by the halachos of gneva, by the halachos of theft, even a crossbred animal is included. So if you were to steal and then slaughter a crossbred animal, halacha lemaisi would be chayiv dalad vehe arba vechamisha. Okay, so we'll say, so now we come full circle. Ela hada amarava zeb banaav kol makom shene emarse eno ela lahoti asakilayim lemayhilchasa. Sef Rabbosai, remember how this whole thing started. Rava espoused the principle. And Rava said that whenever the Torah uses the word seh, right, seh is always, seh is there to go ahead and create a binyanav, a paradigm. What's the paradigm? Seh and not crossbreeding. Right, that's seh, a purebred animal, and not a crossbred animal. So we'll say, so now, the problem is Rava said this rule, but it doesn't sound like the real rule is really true. It sounds like the rule is really based on the presence of the word O, number one, and number two, which types of animals are mentioned in the Pasuk itself. So if that's the case, what does the rule of Rava, what does the paradigm of Rava really come to include? So I'll say, if it's by Karbanas, so we just got finished by Karbanas, Karbanas again, the Pasuk says, Shar O Kesev, the O, comes to exclude, comes to exclude um, a crossbred animal. Ilam Meiser, so maybe you're going to tell me it's from Meiser. So the Gemara says, Tachas, Tachas, Yalif Mikachim. We have Exer Shava of Tachas, Tachas, from, from Meiser to Kachim. Just like by Kachim, ultimately, again, you can't bring a crossbred animal. So too for Meiser, you can't designate a crossbred animal. Okay, Ila Bachar. So I'll say maybe it's Bachar. 
by telling me that a crossbred animal is not subject to the din of Bechor, Sa'avara ha'avara yolif mi meiser. Again, I've exerted Shavah, ultimately of Bechor to meiser, meiser to Kachim, and therefore in all of these cases, a crossbred animal is exempt. Inami nidme amretlo, the other possibilities, maybe, maybe you'll see, maybe you'll say it'll come to exclude a mutated animal. The chsiv, ach bechar shar. So we'll say, but there the pasuk says, ach bechar shar, at shuhu shar u bechoro shar. Ultimately, again, only we'll see when is there a din bechar. Only when the father or the, the parent is a shar, and ultimately again the bachar is a shar. In other words, that there can't be any mutations. So kilayimibai, a crossbred. So I will say, if you're excluding, remember, if you're excluding a mutation, then it goes without saying that you are excluding a crossbred animal. Ella ki itmar de rava. So I'll say we're just trying to figure out again. Rava espoused this rule. What was his rule? Wherever the Torah uses the word se. Ultimately, again, it's coming to exclude a crossbred animal. The problem just is, to be honest, it doesn't really seem like we need the rule. In other words, we're learning it out from a whole bunch of different places. So obviously, Rava must be referring to something specific. What is he referring to? So the Gemara says, Very interesting. Rather, what was Rava referring to? Rava was referring to the redemption of a firstborn donkey. Here we go. Ain Poland, supposed to remember again, the first, first, the, the pidyon, concept pidyon peter hamar is actually very interesting, because normally again, we, we have the din ultimately of bachar animal, right? So bachar has sanctity, you have to give it to the Kohen. The one exception to this kosher animal bachar rule is hamar. A firstborn donkey is endowed with sanctity. Is endowed with sanctity. So what's tabacha? Either you have to redeem it or break its neck. Break its neck. So now, obviously, what, what, are you, what are you redeeming? What are you redeeming the peter chamar with? You're redeeming it with another kosher, with, not another, with a kosher animal. So watch this. Here we go. The Gemara says, "Kivis nan in podin lo beegel for lo bechaya for lo beshuta for lo betrefa for lo bekilayim for lo bekai." So ultimately, again, so so the halacha is the halacha is that you can't redeem. You can't redeem a, a, a firstborn chamar not with. First of all, before we go on, look at Rashi. Linyan pidyon peter chamar tichsiv se. Both say the Torah uses the word se when it comes to redemption of peter chamar. So I'll say, so therefore the Mishnah says, you can't go ahead and redeem your firstborn donkey with an egel, a calf, not with a chayin, non domesticated animal, not bishchut, not with a shechted animal, lo betrefa, or trefa animal, for lo bekilayim. Now with kai, we'll say, now with a kai. Remember we had kai, we had kai, we had kai. Remember, again, we had kai a lot in our, at the end of our last cycle, in the sense, chulin, so there's a lot of discussions about kai. Kai is an animal, is an animal that, Chazal weren't sure, is it a behemoth or is it a chayo, right? Is it a domestic animal, non-domesticated animal? Again, the major nafkamina for that is kisoy hadam, right? You have to cover the blood after slaughter. For behemoth, you don't have to do that. For chayo, you do have to do that. So again, you can't redeem, uh, you, can't, so we'll say you can't redeem uh, uh, Petra Hamar with any of these things. Now, for our purposes, why does this matter? Because again, this is what Ravel was talking about. Why can't you redeem a firstborn donkey with a seh? Ultimately, like, sorry, why can't you redeem a firstborn donkey ultimately again with kilayim, with a crossbred animal? Because Torah says seh. And whenever the Torah says seh, seh comes to exclude a crossbred animal. Okay, beautiful. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Lazar, the matter be kilayim, the sinner of Lazar, the matter be kilayim, the pneisha who seh, the mayhochasa. I said, Rabbi Lazar says that you can go ahead and redeem a firstborn donkey with a crossbred animal. Why? Because Halacha Lemaish Rabbi Lazar says that even a crossbred seh is still called a seh. Still called a seh. So ultimately, again, according to Rabbi Lazar, what does, what does Rava's statement come to accomplish? Rabbi Lazar would say, Ki itmar de Rava, when ultimately, again, Rava made his statement, Ultimately, again, letame shenolad min hatahar viibura min hatame. Very interesting. So I'll say when Rava made his statement disqualifying a crossbred animal, what type of crossbred animal did he disqualify? Listen to this. For a, this is referring to a non-kosher animal born to a kosher animal, kosher animal that had a non-kosher father. 
Interesting case here. So you have a non-kosher father, a kosher mother, and the offspring is a non-kosher animal. So ultimately, again, that's the type of kilayim, that's the type of crossbreeding that ultimately, again, Rava would disqualify. One more time. Kithmar de Rava, ultimately, again, when Rava disqualified a crossbred animal, whenever you see the word seh, litame, a non-kosher animal, shenolad min hatahar, that was born to a kosher mother, viibura min hatame. But its father was not kosher. Father was not kosher. Now take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi, Rashi gives an interesting example over here. The Tameshinovad Minatar Para Sheyaldasus Vaviv Sus. It is a cow that gave birth to a horse whose father is a horse. Now we're gonna, we're gonna discuss this a bit more in depth in just a moment. I mean, not that much more in depth, but a little bit more in depth. Okay, so the idea over here is you have a cow that gave birth to a horse whose father is a horse. Or Rachel she yelled the chazer va'aviv chazer, right? Or a sheep that gave birth to a chazer and the father is a chazer. The aser ba'achila dechsev zosa behem asher tochlu shar sek savim. The chayvon dechsev se prat lekilaim ki agavna. So what's that? Is actually interesting. So this is now in Rabbi Lazar's understanding. In Rabbi Lazar's understanding of what Rabbi was coming to exclude, when Rava excludes Kilayim, he doesn't necessarily, he doesn't exclude it, because this is, so, okay, so now look what we have over here. We have a Machlokis in Rava, right? Up until now, we thought Rava's statement like this. Whenever you see the word Seh, Seh always means that whenever you have crossbreeding, I both say crossbreeding could even be within the same species, but you have different types within the same species, right? Let's say sheeps and sheep, and goat, and rams, like these are all things within the same, we'll call it family, but that would also call, that would also be called interbreeding, crossbreeding. So now comes along Rabbi Lazar, and Rabbi Lazar says, Rabbi Lazar says, that's not what Rava meant. When Rava forbade, forbade the use of a crossbred animal, he was talking about mamish, like real crossbreeding, like, like interspecies crossbreeding. So a sheep, right? So again, in this case, like Rashi says, like a cow having a baby with a horse and the baby is a horse, that type of crossbred offspring ultimately, again, is going to be prohibited for any kind of use. So the Gemara says, so the Delok Rabbi Yoshua, and that's not like Rabbi Yoshua, why? Because what does Rabbi Yoshua say? So the Gemara says, Delok Rabbi Yoshua, Di Rabbi Yoshua, Misek Savim Vseizim Nafka, so Rabbi Yoshua learns this out from Sek Savim Seizim, Atshe Aviv Keves Vimo Kivsa. Okay, so Rabbi Yoshua learns this out from a different source. Rabbi Yoshua learns out this concept that ultimately, again, until the mother and father are of the same species. Fine. So we'll say, so this, so this, so now what we end off with is a machlokis. So we'll say, so here, here's what we have up until this point that we're going to get a bit more technical. What we have up until this point is a statement of Rava. Right? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't technical until now. Now we're going to get really technical. Right? So we have a statement of Rava, right? Rava espoused a principle that whenever you see the word seh, Set comes to exclude crossbreeding. So we tried to plug that concept into two areas of halacha. Number one, dalid vehei. And number two, and number two, karbonos, the type of animal that's fit for karbonos. It turned out that we don't really utilize rava in either of those two areas because halacha lamaisa, those two areas really, really have their own drushas. So therefore, by theft, we know that Shechayev for theft, Kefal Dalid Vehei, by a crossbred animal. By Karbanos, we learn out from an old Russia that you can't use a crossbred animal. So we're trying to figure out, so where does Rava come in? Ah, I'll tell you where Rava comes in. Rava comes in ultimately again by the redemption of a firstborn donkey. Torah uses the word Seb, by redemption of a firstborn donkey. We learn from there that what? You cannot use a crossbred animal. For a, for a redemption of a donkey. So the Gemara says, now by the way, just in that discussion, something else came up, which was a machlokes in the statement of Rava. When Rava says you can't use a crossbred animal, the Kshayla is, what's the definition of crossbreeding? Is it minor crossbreeding or major crossbreeding? The Balazra says it's only major crossbreeding. Namely, again, you know, a, a horse, horse father has a, has a baby with a cow and the baby is a horse. Right? That ultimately, again, that's where, would, that's where the offspring would be precluded or would be unusable based on set. Now the Gemara says, just a final question. So I'll say, is that possible? Is that, is that, is that possible? First, the Gemara just asks a general question. Can a kosher animal become pregnant from a non-kosher animal? Is such a concept like that generally possible? 
Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Torah mitmeh mime abro, the itzrich lemi ute, ba kamlam per kamlam de bechoros, the olam em misaberis, lo tmeh mitarav, lo tar mitmeh. So, it's just actually interesting that the, the Gemara actually points out that the gestational periods between kosher animals and non kosher animals generally don't line up. So, the Gemara says, This case that you gave me of a crossbred animal, according to Belazar, of like a, a cow conceiving from a horse, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. So how can you ever have a case? In other words, we'll say, here's what's interesting. Rabbi Lazar is coming to say that Rava's statement, that whenever you see Seh, Seh is coming, <coughs> excuse me, to exclude Kilayim. What type of Kilayim is that coming to exclude? What type of Kilayim? Like dramatic Kilayim. Kosher animal having a baby with a non-kosher father. And therefore the offspring is non-kosher. Now the Gemara says, is that actually possible? To which the Gemara says, listen to this. In the Kaimbalon, I'm a base, I'm a base. I know, you got excited about the pace that we did on Manalip. You thought we were on track. No. So Gemara says, listen to this. Rather, the Kaimbalon, listen to this. Di Aber Mikalot Krebi Shimon. So I will say, this is actually very interesting. When can you have a case of a non-kosher animal Right, or a kosher animal conceiving with a non-kosher animal and having non-kosher offspring. Sirbo said, listen to this. What happens, for argument's sake, if you have a cow um, without cloven hoofs? Sirbo said, a cow without cloven hoofs is considered to be a non-kosher animal. Right, even though species-wise, species-wise, it is kosher, but Lamaise it is lacking the simonim of a non-kosher animal. So we'll say it's actually very interesting. So Rabbi Shimon has this concept. Rabbi Shimon has this concept. So for example, if you were to have a father cow, a father cow with uncloven hoofs, right? Conceive, and the mother is a regular cow, cloven hoofs, right? Or her father's an ox, mother's a cow, right? And then they have a baby, right? Cow with uncloven hoofs. That would actually be a case of a non-kosher animal conceiving with a kosher animal, having offspring that's not kosher. So I will say, so now the, we, we, thought, we thought that the kosher, non-kosher mating model that produced non-kosher offspring was like dramatic, like cows and horses producing horses. No, no, okay, so we're kind of abandoning that. But halach ala there is this other possibility of even an animal which is species-wise kosher, but doesn't have the simonim of a kosher animal, ultimately again being unkosher. Look at Tap Rashi. Rashi says over here, the Abra me colored Krebi Shimon, colored parsos of Kalutos Vinola Minatar, Rebbe Shimon Karile Tame. What's Rebbe Shimon? Now again, whether this is accepted, the halacha is a different discussion, but this is Rebbe Shimon. Rebbe Shimon holds again species wise, you have an animal that species wise is kosher, but it itself does not have the simonim of a kosher animal. Rebbe Shimon says, that animal is tummy. It's really fascinating. So Rabbi Shimon holds that essentially a cow without cloven hooves is essentially like a chazer. It's the same thing like a chazer. No, no, dif- no difference. He says, Karele tummy, the same with Bechoros. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Gamal, Gamal, Shnei Pa'amim. So he says, Echad Gamal Hanolad Mina Gamla, the Echad Gamal Hanolad Mina Para, Vafidu, Arasa Mina Tar, Mishar Gamar. Okay, so most is the position of Rabbi Shimon. So again, so therefore kind of coming full circle, kind of coming full circle, according, so now we, have, we end off with a machlokas in Rava. When Rava says every single time it says se, se comes to exclude ultimately, again, any type of crossbred animal. So now halach al-maysa, machlokas has the definition of crossbreeding that Rava, that Rava excluded. Either, either we'll call it dramatic crossbreeding, or no halach, or, or, or that, that, would, that would really be the case of Rabbi Lazar, or no, even, even less dramatic crossbreeding, but even, even within the same species, a crossbred animal would ultimately again be Aser. We also saw the case of where according to Balaz, you could have the dramatic crossbreeding, kosher with non-kosher. Does it literally mean like a non-kosher species with a kosher animal? Is that gestational periods will not line up, but rather again, a kosher animal lacking the simonim ultimately is considered to be a non-kosher animal. Also, but for our purposes, just to understand, the way we paskin, kind of just coming full circle, is that halacha l'maysa, the din of dalit arba v'chamisha, Dalit vehe, kefel, four and five time payment, will apply even to a crossbred animal. That's how we pass it. Halach lemaisa, on the other hand, when it comes to, let's say, carbonos, when it comes to carbonos, salach lemaisa, by carbonos, you cannot use a crossbred animal. Okay, let's go back to Bari Rava. So Rava asked as follows Hare alai ola, vehifrish shar. So we'll say an interesting case. 
Interesting case. Ruvain says, Ruvain says, uh, I hereby take upon myself an Ola. Bring an Ola. Vehefishar, he, he sets aside a cow, right? An ox as his Ola. Okay. So I says, now what happened? Uba Achar Vaganov. So we'll call, we'll call that Shimon, right? Shimon does that. Ruvain comes along and Ruvain steals the animal. Okay, now, so now Ruvain stole a carbon, right? He, he, stole, he stole Shimon's shar that was set aside ultimately again as an Ola. All right, so now what's Talacha? So me pater ganav nafshe bikeves l'rabanan, but Ola sa'ot l'rabalaza ben Azariah. So we'll say, let me tell you the question outside and then we'll, we'll focus on it because it's really very interesting. Let's say, for an Ola, for an Ola, you could use a whole range of animals, right? A whole range of animals. So like the most intense animal you could use is a shar. You could use an ox. But at the same time, you could also exempt yourself with a bird. So we'll say, so now watch this. So now here's the case. Shimon went ahead and set aside an ox as an Ola. Ruvain stole his ox. So now Ruvain wants to go ahead and make amends. So what's the Shaila I will say here, the Shaila. The Shaila is, does Ruvain have to give back the ox? Or could Ruvain essentially what? Give back a lesser animal that's in the same Ola family. In other words, Ruvain will give back an animal through which Shimon will be able to discharge his obligation. And right, discharge his obligation. I will say, I just want to point out over here, the case over here is really very interesting. What is Shimon saying? Hare Alai. Hare Now remember again, there are two ways in which you could go and offer up a carbon. One of the two ways, Hare Alai or Hare Zu. What's the difference? Hare Alai means the obligation is incumbent upon me. Hare Zu means I'm designating this animal as the carbon. So in this case over here, Shimon is taking upon himself the obligation to bring an Ola. Now he designated this Shar. Ruvain stole the Shar. Now Ruvain wants to be a Balchuva. But the Shaila says, you have to give back the shar. And I will say, we must be talking about a situation where the shar itself is, is gone. Right? The shar itself is gone. Because obviously, any time, remember, we spoke about this before, any time the stolen item is extant, then what? Then what? You're always obligated to give back that item. So let's say again now, there's the, shar, the shar that he stole is not there. So the Shaila is, is he obligated to give back a shar? Or can he give back any animal that technically is in this Ola family, through which Shimon could go ahead and discharge his obligation. So for example, specifically, would he have to give back a sheep according to the Rabbanon, or ultimately, again, according a bird according to Elizabeth and Azariah? This not, because here we learn. Hare alai ola. Stam case, I come along and I say, I'm here by obligating myself and bringing an ola. First wide line, yavi keves. So the, so the Rabbanon say you have to bring a sheep. So both say, failure to designate an animal as a particular, as a particular orla, Locks you into a keves. Sheep. That, 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 that's, that's what you're obligated to go ahead and, and bring. Rabbi Lozav and Azariah. Rabbi Lozav and Azariah says, Yavitar o Benyona. Rabbi says, if you didn't designate an animal, so ultimately, again, you're, all you're locked into is a turtle dove or a young dove. So the Gemara says, so am I? So what do you do in this case over here? What do you do in this case over here? Where halach again, Ruvain stole the Ola from Shimon. Now he wants to, right, and it was, it was a shar, right? Shimon had designated a shar. Now Ruvain wants to be a Batshuva. Does he have to give back a shar? Or could he give back any one of the other, we'll call it animals that fit into this category? So my, mi aminan shem Ola kib kabil iluye. So Odilma, so can we see, listen. Shimon wanted to give an Ola. So as long as Ruvain gives back something, that is within the Ola spectrum, you're good to go. All Dilmamatsi, you know, the other possibility is, no, no, Shimon can say to Ruvain, Ana mitzvamina mochar ba'ina la me'avid. So I'll say, so on the other hand, right, Shimon can say to Ruvain, Ruvain, what are you talking about? You can't, you can't give me a turtle dove, right? Lamaisa again, Lamaisa again, I dafka separated a shar, because I wanted to do this right. I wanted to do the mitzvamina mochar. Therefore, if you want to be a Balchuba, give me back a shar. So we'll say after the question was asked, it was answered. Ganav Pater Atzmo Bekeves Rabanan Baola Saof Rabalaza Ben Azaria. So we'll say it's actually fascinating. At the end of the day, the Gemara actually paskins that Allah Maisa, Ruven, when he does tshuva, only has to give back the basic unit of Ola. Now it's a machlogus what the basic unit of Ola is. According to the Rabanan, the basic unit of Ola, the default unit 
is a sheep, right? According to Rosa and Azaria, it's a bird. But interestingly enough, everyone is agreeing that what doesn't he have to give back? What doesn't he have to give back? The shark. Really quite interesting. Really quite interesting. So the says, Ravach Abrei Dravika Masila Beheja. So Ravach Abrei Dravista, he stated this explicitly. Amarava Harealai Ola. Right? Ruvain said, I hereby take upon myself an Ola. Fehefish, Shar, he separated out of Shar. Sorry, Shimon said, and he separated out of Shar. Oba Achar the Ganbo. And then what happens? Ruvain came along and stole the Shar. Pater Atzmo Bekeves Labanan. The thief has the ability to, sat- to, to exempt himself, right? To satisfy his obligation. According to the Rabbanon, ultimately again, with a, with a sheep. And according to Rabbanon, ultimately, ultimately again, with a bird. Rabbanon said, really fascinating. Really fascinating halacha. So even though, again, in general, there's a concept of the Heshavah Sakzela. So again, halacha lemaisa. Rabbanon said, the logic is as follows. The logic is as follows. That essentially, once Ruvain, sorry, once Shimon designates the Shar ultimately as an Ola, essentially what ends up happening over here is the Shar loses its identity as a Shar and go ahead and assumes the identity ultimately again of an Ola. That's really what's happening over here. Therefore, when Ruvain steals the Shar, Halacha doesn't view him as stealing a Shar. What does Halacha view him as? What does Halacha view him as? As, as stealing an Ola. So, no, I will say, this in general, this in general is part of the fascinating dynamic of Karbanos, right? I will say, the, the Pasuk says, the Pasuk talks about the idea, Svasemus brings down, says, the Ger Rebbe brings down this idea, it's the most fascinating idea, he says, well, what is the most incredible, like, earth, earth-shattering Yediyah, concept that comes out of Karbanos, is that ultimately, again, you could take an animal, which is like the basis of the base, right? The basis of the base. And what happens? You suddenly say, Harezu Ola, it's an Ola, then suddenly what happens? So this animal is transformed into a Chavz of Kiddusha. It's transformed suddenly into an item of holiness, right? Parenthetically, the Sassama says, what do you see from here? If an animal could be transformed with a mere declaration, then I will say what you see is the power of a declaration to be something greater. Sassama says that often we think that the only pathway to greatness is through dynamic activity. He says it's not true. Even when a person articulates a vision of who they want to be, of what they want to be, right? I make a mission statement for my life. I, this is the person I want to become. That statement itself is transformative even before you actually did anything, right? It transforms you. Vaharaya, if by saying to that animal, animal, Shar, you're an Ola. So suddenly again, ooh, it's Kodesh. It's Kodesh. You see that a declaration of holiness, an aspirational statement of holiness, by definition transforms who and what you are. If it works for animals, Allah has come of a camera. We see this all the time. Jose, when you tell yourself who you want to be and what you want to be, and you declare, I want to be someone greater, you feel different about yourself. You just feel different. I, you didn't do anything. I didn't do anything yet. It doesn't make a difference. A declarative statement that ultimately, again, outlines who I want to be, what I want to be, what I want to accomplish, fundamentally changes me in life. If it works for the sure. Ultimately, again, then it works for the Adam as well. Incredible, incredible, Yisod. Stay for both sides. So therefore, when Ruvain steals the Shar, when Ruvain steals the animal, ultimately, again, from Shimon, Halacha doesn't view him as stealing a Shar. Halacha views him as stealing an Ola. Stealing an Ola. So as such, what does he have to give back? What does he have to give back? An Ola. Right? So now, okay, now what's the definition of Ola? So that's the Machlokas. Crane to the Rabbanon, the default definition of an Ola is going to be a Keves, is going to be ultimately again a sheep. According to Allah Zabin Azar, it's going to be a turtle dove. That's what he has to give back. But that's, he, he stole an Ola, and he has to give back an Ola. Really fascinating. Okay, let's go back to Mishnah. Mishnah. Machro. Machro. Chutz me'echan mimeya shebo. Osha ha'isalobo shutzla. So we'll say now, new topic. New topic. Listen to this case. I mean, not, not still, still Dalit Behe, but, but an interesting nuance over here. Let's say, so now let's say, same case, Ruvain stole, Ruvain stole a sheep from Shimon. And he sells the sheep. But he ends up retaining some level of ownership over the sheep. So for example, he sells it, but he retains a one one-hundredth ownership interest. The, the percentage is irrelevant. 
the point over here is that the point which is making is even a very small ownership interest. See, he retains he retains some ownership interest in the animal, right? Or for example, he had. Oh, for example, he had a he had a he had a partnership. So this is actually talking about over here. <clears throat> this is talking about over here. We'll see exactly the parameters of this case. He owned it in partnership, and therefore, when he sold it, he only sold his chelak, right? Or hashochet. So we'll say we're going to see in both of these cases there is no dalit vehe. There's no dalit vehe. Now the reason we're going to see there's no dalit vehe is because dalit vehe only occurs when there is a complete sale. So in these cases, it's an incomplete sale, therefore no dollar day. Next, Hashokhev in Esnavla Biado, Biado, both say, Ruvain steals an animal, he shechts it. And when he shechts it, ultimately, again, it becomes an Avela. So, right, he botches the Shrita, and ultimately the animal becomes an Avela. Or, Nocher, or both say, instead of shechting it, he stabs the animal, kills it like that. Or, Ma'aker, Ma'aker, both say, means sometimes if the knife, you know, shocked him before they, before they slaughter, they have to test the knife, right? The halach is you run it against your nail, right? To test the sharpness of the knife. That goal over here is to see that there are no nicks in the knife. If there's a nick in the knife, what ends up happening is instead of cutting the simonim, the windpipe and the esophagus, you, you, you pull them. You pull them. And as a result, ultimately, again, you tear them, you uproot them. So that's called ma'aker. In all of these cases, but in all of these cases, because you had an inappropriate shrita, right? The shrita wasn't a valid shrita, wasn't the shrita. I, say, I just want to have, point out what's happening over here. We saw Rabbi Shimon, right? What did Rabbi Shimon say? Rabbi Shimon said, That's not this. Rabbi Shimon said, in order for you to be high of Dalit Vehei, the shrita has to produce an animal that is edible, a consumable animal. That, that, that's not necessarily this. This, this Mishnah is saying that in order to be chayiv dalad v'hayiv for shrita, you have to what? You have to do an actual act of slaughter. Whether the animal is consumable afterwards is a different discussion. But this act of slaughter has to be a bona fide act of shrita. So if you don't do an act of shrita, right? You hit the animal over the head. You stab it. You go ahead and you end up, you know, tearing the windpipe and the esophagus. That's not a shrita. It's not a shrita, and therefore Allah reminds you to be chayiv kefel, but you're not chayiv dalid vehe. Okay, so Moshe, let's analyze. It's a lot, a lot to talk about over here. The Gemara says, so my chutz So let's talk about the first case. First case over here is Ruvain stole from Shimon the animal, then he sold it. But when he sold it, ultimately again he excluded one one hundredth of the animal from the sale. He, he retained. He retained some level of ownership. So what's the halacha? What's the halacha in that case? So the Mishnah said, ultimately, again, he's potter from Dalit Vehei. So the Gemara says, what, what, is, what does that mean he excluded one one-hundredth? What does that mean? My Gemara is, my chutzin ne'eshevel, amarav chutz midavar hanitar imo b'shrita. So we'll say, Rav says, he excluded some part of the animal, ultimately, again, that would normally be included with the shrita. So in other words, so say, well, essentially, let, let me tell you what's happening over here before we get into this. What the is going to say is, it really, the only time that an exclusion from the sale kind of prevents you from being high of Dalit Vehei is when you excluded something significant. The Shaila is going to be, what's the Shaila? What's the definition of significant? So the Gemara says, Saraf says, it means you excluded a part of the animal that would normally be permitted through Shechita. So we'll say, so for example, you excluded the leg. But for example, according to Rab, we're going to see, what if you excluded the shearings? Or you excluded the horn? Right? These are not part of the animal that's permitted to you through shrita. That wouldn't be a sheared, right? That wouldn't be a withholding. You still be high dollar day. Levi on Levi says, chutz mi Levi says, you excluded the shearings. Okay, we're going to explain all of this. The chen time must be, so. Also, we learned this also in the Mishnah. Chutz mi to back up Levi, that if you excluded the shearings, this is considered to be a withholding of some significant piece. And therefore, again, it's not really considered to be a complete halachic cell because it's not considered to be a complete, complete halachic cell. Therefore, you're not chayiv dalad vehei. So let's, let's analyze. So we'll say, now watch this. Ruvain stole the sheep from Shimon and then he sold it to Levi. But he withheld, right? He said, I'm going to sell it to you except for the foreleg. 
or except for the hind leg, or except for the horn, or except for the shearings. So Rabosei, so now I want to point to Rabosei, does the sale work? Does the sale work? The sale works, right? Because you could sell something, you could exclude something, but what it, what, what it does do is it's not considered to be a sale for Dalad Vehei. In other words, in order for the thief to be of Dalad Vehei, it has to be a complete sale. If you're withholding something quote-unquote significant, that's not a complete sale to obligate you in Dalad Vehei. So in all of these cases, so all of says this, in all these cases, the Raisa says, so if Ruven stole the sheep from Shimon, and then he sells it to Levi, but he excludes from the sale with Levi, I, I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to the foreleg, the hind leg, the horn, the shearings, so in that case, Ruvain won't pay Dalit Vehei. Rabbi Omer Rabbi says, This is very interesting. So ultimately, again, so, so Rabbi says, this is actually interesting. Rabbi says, essentially, any part of the animal that would invalidate the Shechita, if you withhold it, if you withhold it, ultimately, again, a sale doesn't generate Dalit Vehei. Again, I will say, I want to point out something. We're talking about over here, what type of sale generates the obligation for four and five time penalty payment. A sale, in other words, you can structure an actual, like just from like a Choshen Mishpat, like a Mekach Memkar, just monetary law, you can structure a sale however you want it, right? You want to sell an animal and you want to exclude the foreleg, the hind leg, you, 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 as long as both parties agree, you can do whatever you want. We're talking about over here that the Torah tells me that if Ruvain steals an animal and then sells it, Ruvain is chayiv dalad vehei. So what we're trying to highlight over here is what kind of sale generates that liability. So essentially the answer is, a quote-unquote, complete sale. Thank you. Now I need to know what's the definition of a complete sale or by extension, what's the definition of an incomplete sale? So now for example, Rebbe says it's very simple. Withholding any part of the animal that would invalidate the shechita, by definition, is considered to be an incomplete sale, right? By extension, withholding any part of the animal that would not invalidate the shechita is considered to be a complete sale, and therefore, ultimately, again, would uh, would obligate you in dalid vehe. Okay, so for example, I will say just to give Rashi, Rashi gives an extreme example. Rashi says, veshet. O'Connor, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Let's say again, Ruvain steals the animal. Ruvain steals the animal from Shimon. And he goes and he sells it to Levi. And he says to Levi, I'm selling you this animal, but I want the, I'm keeping the esophagus. I'm keeping the esophagus. So I said, obviously the esophagus is a crucial part to the Shrita. Right? So that would be an example of a withholding, ultimately again, that 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 would that would prevent Ruvain from being chayiv. Dalit Vehei. Incredible. Rabbi Shimon Allah, Rabbi Shimon Allah says, Chutz Mikarna. Very interesting. Chutz Mikarna. Eme Moshayim Tashlumi Arav Echamisha. Chutz Mikizosem Moshayim Tashlumi Arav Echamisha. So what is this? Rabbi Shimon Allah says, if Ruben sells the animal from Shimon and then he sells it, if he excludes the horn, listen to this, if he excludes the horn, ultimately, again, he, st- right, he does not pay for Arav Echamisha. If he excludes the shearings, he does pay Arba Vechamisha. Very interesting. So we'll say, let's analyze all of this. Now we have a lot of opinions over here. So Bishlam, Levi, Kitanakama. So Levi holds, I must remember again, Levi, who again originally said, if you exclude the shearings, that's an example of something that would, that would, that would prevent you from being obligated in Dalit Vehei. So Levi holds, Kitanakama, El Rav Kiman. But who does Rav hold like? So the Gemara says, Amri, Rav Dhamar Kiaitana. Rav holds like the following Tana. This Sanya we learned. Rabbi Shimon Elazar Omer, Machra Chutz Miyada, the Chutz Miragla, Eino Mashayim Tashlumi Arba Vechamisha. This is what I'll say. So Shimon Elazar says, Ruben steals the animal from Shimon, and what happens? He goes in and he sells it, but he excludes the foreleg, or he excludes the hind leg. So what's Talach? He doesn't have to pay Dalit Vehei. Okay? Chutz Mikarna, Chutz Migizosel. But if he sells the animal and he says, you know what, I'm selling it to you, but I'm withholding the horn, or I'm withholding the shearings, ultimately, again, he does pay Arba Vechamisha. So my commitment what's going on over here? So Tanakama Savar, here we go. Tanakama holds, Utivacho, Kula Ba'inan, Umacharo Kula Ba'inan. So Tanakama holds like this. 
Tana Kama is like this. Just like when it comes to Shechita, ultimately, again, I will say, you shech the whole animal or you shech none of it. Right? Shechita is an all or nothing proposition. See, the shech the whole thing you do. So too, for Mechira, in order to be high for Mechira, what has to happen? Either you sell everything or you don't sell everything. And if you don't sell everything, then ultimately, again, I will say, just to be clear, then the sale might be a valid sale, but you're not chayiv arba v'chamisha. You're only chayiv, Tanakamos, you're only chayiv arba v'chamisha if it's an all-in sale. Comparing again, tvicha to arsusim, mechira to tvicha. For Rabbi Sava, Rabbi says, utuvachov. Rabbi says, when the Pasuk says, if you shechted, midi dahavi v'tvicha. Lafuke midi, the lochavi v'tvicha. So we'll say, Rabbi says like this. Rabbi says, utuvachov teaches me like this. Rabbi says, when it comes to shechita, not every part of the animal matters when it comes to shechita. So just like there are parts of the animal that don't matter when it comes to shechita, so too, there are going to be parts of the animal that don't matter when, when it comes to mechira. When it comes to mechira. So we'll say, what's in a good example of that? A good example of that will be the shearings, will be the horn, right? There are parts of the animal, even parts of the limbs of the animal, that ultimately, again, if you didn't have them, right, or they're removed by shechita, it just doesn't matter. So we'll say, here's what's interesting is, both Rebbe and the Tanakam are understanding that you equate the sale with shechita. It's just a shayla of how they're equating it. So, right, so in the Tanakama's model, Tanakama is saying just like shechita is on the whole animal, so to your only chayiv dalit behei if you sell the entire animal. Rebbe says, just like by shechita, there are only parts, right? There are parts of the animal that, that really don't come into play by shechita. So to, again, those same parts wouldn't come into play by the sale as well. Incredible. From Shimon Elazar, so Rabbi Shimon Elazar says, Karna, delo lemigza kaima, havishir. So Rabbi Shimon Elazar will say like this, a horn, a horn, oh, oh, havishir, sorry. The horn, which is not normally something that is set aside to be removed, Ultimately, again, if you remove it, right, if you sell the animal and you withhold the horn for yourself, that is considered to be something lacking in the sale. And therefore, So, he has an interesting point. He says, when it comes to the sale, what we look at is things that are normally removed from the animal versus things that are not normally removed from the animal. So horns aren't normally removed. Shearings are normally removed. So therefore, again, if a person, right, if Reuven the thief sells the animal and he withholds the horn, that's considered to be a lack, a lacking in the sale, and therefore you're not chayib dalad behei. Shearings, shearings, where Allah Chalamai says it's normal to be removed. So if Reuven the thief sti- sells the sheep, and withholds the shearings for himself, then that's not considered to be something lacking in the sale. Incredible. The other opinion, according to Rabbi Shemar what does he hold? Savar, Yodav, Veragdav, Detrichi, Tvicha, Havishir. So he holds like this. The hind legs and the forelegs, which only become permitted if what, if what, if shrita, so therefore if you withhold them, you retain ownership over them in a sale, ultimately, again, that's, that's a lacking in the sale. On the other hand, the horns and the shearings, which ultimately, again, do not require shrita, lo havishir, ultimately is not considered to be something lacking in the, the sale. Okay? So the Gemara says, Kashan of Shemar Al-Azhar, Shemar Al-Azhar. And I also seem to have a Makhlouk, Kisim Shemar Al-Azhar, two different opinions attributed to him. Not a problem. Trey Tanoi Valivi Dari Shemar Al-Azhar. But say, ultimately, again, there are two different opinions, two different Tanoim in accordance with Rabbi Shemar bin Al-Azhar. So both say, what we come out with over here is something really interesting. Bottom line is, the Drasha, interestingly enough, are similar. Because remember, the Torah equates the sale to the slaughter. So the shaila is, uh, how, how, how do you make that comparison? Do you, say that, do you say that just like slaughter is all in, so too the sale must be all in, and you can't exclude anything, or no? Just like the slaughter is only necessary for parts of the animal, so too as long as the sale includes certain critical parts, even if you retain certain parts for yourself, that doesn't matter. So that's the machlokas. Let's go a little bit weiter, another minute. So Tanra Hagonev, Hagonev, 
Hakitas, Vesachigeres, Vesasuma. So we'll say ultimately again, if Halacha so a person goes ahead and steals an amputated animal, a crippled animal, a blind animal, so to say somebody goes ahead and steals an animal that belongs to partners. Chai, and we'll say actually what we'll do is we're going to stop over here for today by the son of Abba. We'll say, I just, again, so we're, we're leaving off. We don't know. Here, here, here's what we know is it appears, it appears that everyone will agree that there is a case where if you sell the animal but retain something for yourself, the, the thief retains something for himself, that that will be a problem in the sale. And ultimately, again, will, will, when we say problem in the sale, is the sale might be a valid sale, but the ganov will not be chayiv dalit vehei. The shayla is what level of animal retention is considered to be significant enough so as to preclude the person from being chayiv in dalit vehei. We'll say, I'll just say, it's such a chizik, such a chizik, right? Coming, coming to shul in the morning like this, where already again the world is beginning to shut down. Everything is beginning to shut down because of a couple of snowflakes, which is ridiculous, right? Okay, different discussion, right? But 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 so will say this is the power of dafyomi and the power of, of, of our commitment. The power of our commitment. will say that the truth is it, it's it's independent of the weather. It's independent of whatever else is happening in life. This is what it means to be committed to something, I will say. The same way that no one ever says to their spouse, you know what, there's a lot of snow today, I'm off, right? You know, again, you know what, I think today I'm going to be a lousy husband, right? Or I'm not going to fulfill my responsibilities because of inclement weather, right? Due to inclement weather, I'm going to mistreat my spouse, right? No, no, right? No, there's no such thing. There are certain things, there are certain things that you are committed to independent of any external realities. And I will say it is absolutely beautiful for us to show that Torah is one of those things. Torah is one of those things that no matter what is happening in the world, no matter what is happening in my life, I remain 100% fully vested and committed. Halavaya Kaddish Baruch Hu should see the heightened level of our commitment should be a schus for ourselves, it should be a schus for our families, and it should be a schus for the Soros Tovos for Cloud Israel, Vos Eshkoyach Gichadis.